Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generous podcast this week for the Amex. As you probably noticed, uh, if you're watching or if you're listening, I, there is no video of me this week, and the sound probably sounds like crap. I apologize about that. My internet is out, so I am doing this through my phone, but my co-host Tyler Tambolete is here, and he is live. What is up, Tambo? What is up? It's a, it's a pleasure, Kenny, to be back. Unfortunately for everyone, they're not going to be able to see your pretty face this week. We did see your 10-year challenge very recently, and we know it looks like you went backwards, man. You're looking younger, so it's it's tough. It's a tough scene for everybody, but as a reminder, this podcast and show is brought to you and presented by DraftKings. We'll have an offer for you guys later before we get into the DK tiers, and also want to talk about our other sponsor, Fantasy National. Head on over to fantasynational.com FGD. Get yourself 20% off whatever package you choose, but the season's here. We're in full effect. We had our first real Cut event week last week. Now we're going into the Cali swing with starting with the Amex. Kenny, Hideki, maybe, I, I don't know, we're calling it early. I know it's early January of, of the year, but definitely one of the best shots you'll see all year. I'll say it right now. That three wood into the three footer, the number one amateur in the world on looking from Japan as well. Just an incredible scene to watch all that unfold. And I'm fortunate for the Henley backers, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, one of the best non-putts that you've seen to win an event in, I don't know, a very, very long time. Uh, uh, he almost walked it off uh, from, from 277 yards out with that three-wood. Incredible, incredible viewing uh, on Sunday night. I mean, prime time, it was, it was beautiful. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was an unbelievable shot, uh, an unbelievable comeback. The thing about it is I, I feel bad for Henley. Um, you know, he shot, what, 65, which is not that bad. But if you look at how his scoring went, he was what? Um, he shot 66, right? Uh, somewhere around there. He's 60, 65. I think he shot 65. Uh, shot six under on the front. Built himself a five-stroke lead uh, against Hideki. And, you know, he sort of took his, his pedal off the gas. Uh, that was his big mistake, especially on the course like YLI, where birdies can come in bunches. So uh, that was a problem for him. He just didn't didn't quite have it on that back nine. And you know, winners, you know, they win on the back nine on Sunday. And that's exactly what Hideki did. Uh, you know, going off shooting five or six under to tie um, uh, Henley. Now another great shot was that drive on eighteen on the final hole uh, when he was one back. That oh. drive that he hit over the trees on the dog leg left. Um, it was incredible. Uh, another thing, you know, it, it sort of reminded me of that Dustin Johnson drive when him and Spieth were in the playoffs uh, a couple of years back. Um, I forget which event it was. It might have been the Travelers. Uh, it might have been – I don't remember. It might have been Canada. I, uh, but, I mean, it was the one where Dustin just literally the, just destroyed the drive and just, you know, took all the momentum off of, um, of Spieth uh, for that playoff hole for Dustin to win and sort of the same thing played out. I mean, after he hit that drive, Henley hit it in a bunker and he never really recovered uh, for the rest of the rest of the time, including the playoff. Really unbelievable stuff by a Really great watch. Uh, the three wood is incredible. A lot of other guys. So you want to talk about what you, your thoughts on it and then uh, we'll go. Well, about yeah. I think the, uh, yeah. The part you just said, like it's unfortunate for Henley, but a couple things came to mind. One, 
the, the saddest part, I think, was actually having to wait it out. Like, you know, one of the three worst words in golf, you're still away. God damn, the guy put it over the green, into the wall, chipped it up, passed, still got to go up and putt, missed that putt. Like, Decky's just standing there with the W in front of him. And you still, it's just the way it goes. It's the rules of golf. You have to play it out like that. So unfortunate for Henley to go through that. But it reminded me of Kapalua, the same, this the saying, I guess, or the people going around saying, oh, he didn't even play. Like you said, he shot a 65 or whatever and ended up losing. That's just crazy. No, it's, it's not good enough. I say it again. People call me heartless, whatever you want. I don't get it. If you don't, it's just the way it goes. Like remember Woodland, the same thing when Xander came back and got him at the Tournament of Champions, it was just like that. Woodland came out, had a good Sunday, not good enough. And that's the way it goes. That's why it's tough to win. It's not like you did nothing wrong. Henley's not at fault for this. He tried his best. It didn't come through. It just speaks to the talent of Hideki, of all these golfers in general that we're talking about week in, week out on this very show and how good they are. Just incredible to watch, man. It was so good. I think the other big thing, Kenny, too, the quote after, I forget who posted it today on Twitter. I had it here earlier and lost it, but uh, somebody said they interviewed him after and they said, like, what's the deal? Like, how your play's been so good lately, blah, blah, blah. And, and you just think about it in general. And he said it, yeah, it's everything we talked about, Kenny. And, and, you know, once he got the green jacket, the pressure was lifted. And now it's been like, no worries whatsoever. Won the Zozo, other good events, just won this event yesterday much less pressure and down the stretch like you said being able to unleash that driver the way he did and then go up and hit that second shot like he did just incredible stuff to watch love it that's why golf is good i teased our boy epat on twitter yesterday he said uh, the pga tour commission's uh, twitter posted out like what you know what do you do the games at half you know you can go watch this now move on over to the golf channel he said well what do you do when they go to a playoff and i said you go to the sport that we love so much that's on and that's not over at the half because the Steelers were getting dusted by that point. And man, it was, you know, must see viewing. I also said, get more TVs, teased them a little there. Cause you can get multiple TVs. That's what I have. Want to make sure you can watch everything at one time. Kenny, I know you're getting a new TV though. A 75 inch on the way. I'm um, what are you? I, I, uh, thank you for uh, Mr. Mayo for paying us. <laughs> I <laughs> use that, use that little money for Patrick. I uh, got getting myself a brand new, uh, Samsung 75-inch QLED 4K. It's going to yep. be installed and mounted uh, <laughs> in my house on um, Saturday. Uh, so this weekend will be nice. I think I'm going to keep the 60-inch next to it and keep the 32-inch on the other side. So I'm going to have a triple play going here uh, here soon, the next weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. So, so while, uh, while playoffs are on, we got playoffs, playoff football in the 75 golf on the 60 and porn on the 32 is that the breakdown something like that you know if it was <laughs> in the middle of if it was the middle of the pandemic they used to have live video feeds of the strip club actually i know a couple of strip clubs that do live <laughs> video feeds uh so there was one i went to in tampa uh it was the one where uh it looks like a ufo ship i forget if you're from tampa you know exactly what i'm talking about right next to the airport there is a strip club in the shape of a ufo uh, and they actually do live feeds of the tape of the girl. So uh, maybe it's not a bad idea. I appreciate the tip there, Tam. That's, that's a good idea right there. Good um, other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's the thing about uh, Hideki. I mean, we say this now every month about a new golfer that shows how good and deep the tour is right now, but people got to watch out. This guy could be number one, you know, at some point in time, again, I think he was number one for like a week in his career, if I'm not mistaken, uh, back in the day, I don't remember. I, I could be wrong about that, but you know, it, it could be him again. And like I said, we say this every week 
Um, every couple of weeks, about a new golfer, and it makes this tour so much fun to watch now. Uh, these guys are so talented. you got these young crop of golfers coming up. Seamus Power uh, finished in third. Um, I think that's where I'm going with my bets now. Instead of finishing runner-up, they all finish in third uh, this year so far. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there at some point in time. And then we have um, Svensson was up there. Uh, a couple of other younger guys uh, played really, really well. So uh, this is – it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a really fun season. It, it, the tour is so deep. Uh, it's going to be amazing to watch how this season unfolds. As you, as most everyone knows, Rom, he's looking like the best player in the world. You don't really know what to do betting-wise when it comes to an event with John Rom in it. Um, uh, you know, it, it makes it a little bit tougher out there. Rom's reminding me of um, – uh, what's his name? DJ, a few years back, and we have him in the field this week. So it's going to be a tough week to bet on uh, because, you know, he's so solid. I sort of hedge on that this week, and we'll talk about that when we get there. Any other comments before we move on, Tambo? How Tong Lee back up the board a little bit. He fell back a little bit on Sunday, but it was good to see him back. You remember, I think it was the – I forget which tournament it was now where he was out there practicing forever and finally, you know, got back into the swing of things. The number one amateur, Nakajima, we talked a little about him last week. Cool to see – him up there all those young guys you talked about but adam svensson he'll definitely come up again later keep him in mind but he had tim tucker on the bag bryson's old caddy put on a show there's another canadian that starts with the name adam here this week that has a pretty good history at this event but adam svensson should be in the mix again so we'll talk about him after as well uh kenny we had the listener league back which we'll get to in a second i want to talk quickly we did have our tournament of champions i'll bring that up get it out of the way quick but our guy benet the only guy that couldn't figure out how to register off the invite sent Kenny and I a message and said, Hey guys, I'm still trying to figure out how to get in this thing. I know you sent the invite. It didn't show up. Not that he doesn't know how, just more so funny that he couldn't find it. I was like, man, I sent it. It's here. Let me try again. A screenshot. I was like, I'm sending it to you. It's sent. He goes, Oh, okay. Now I got it. Then he goes on and proceeds to ship the thing by 80 points. So shout out to Benet. He probably had a pretty good week otherwise with that score. Had himself a nice lineup there. McNulty with the underscore and Nemeth 02 right behind him. They already should have their DK site credits. I got those sent out from our guy this morning. And then now for the other prizes, just reach out to me either on my Twitter at Totag and Tambo or hit up the at FG Degenerates Twitter and you can hit me up there. Kenny, do you got the Lister League ready to roll? We can get right to that. I do. Before we go to listen, let's talk about how we did last week. Uh, Cash Game Cornerstones went three of four. Sung J.M. missed the cut. Uh, he was the one guy that missed the cut. He made 14 cuts in a row. I blame Tim Anderson uh, about that one. He was Tim's one-and-done pick, so that fucked me. Uh, uh, nice little top 20 by Ryan Armour. The punt play, I get another low-priced punt play again uh, this week. For my cash game cornerstones, GPPs, I did okay. I only lost a little bit because I had a bunch of a decky. That worked out. No winning bets, but I did crush yesterday in football. Won all three, uh, and that saved my week. And I'm putting a little bit on the Cardinals money line tonight. Pam, how'd you do? I had a pretty good week, and it uh, died a little bit at the end there. A lot of run pure members actually were up at the top. Speaking of which, Benet and Nemeth came first and third in the tournament of champions, both RPS members, but my boy JSU shit, I think he got third, fourth for 20 K or something. Big T hoop was up there, won hundred K. And I was right up there in the mix with them. We all had conversations going into Sunday, how our lineups were up there. And I had, I did not have like Kuchar and someone else is what you needed to round out the core four of like power 
Connors, Henley, everyone but Hideki. I needed more Hideki. Other than that, it would have been, that would have been a really good week. Other than that, it was still a pretty good week, but excited for this one. And like you said, the season's young. We've got lots of time. So being in, you know, in the mix starting this early on, that's two weeks in a row. I was pretty much in the lead of the major tournament going into to Saturday, but it's a four day event. So that doesn't mean shit. So we got to keep moving. Um, B wag the, the Lister league winner, Kenny, do you got it up ready to go? B wag 66. It's, he's got a big B as his avatar with like, I can't see. It looks like nerds, little nerds candies and filling in the B. I could be wrong. I have no idea what it is because again, it's on my phone, but he won with 665.5 points. He had Hideki to start. Hideki was only 6% owned in the listener league. Um, so that was a big coup for him getting him in 139 points. Russell Henley came in second, of course. Uh, did he finish second? He did finish second. He, um, he was 22% owned, 142.5 points, actually outscored Hideki. Uh, so in DraftKings, you sort of needed Henley uh, out there. Cam Davis, who, uh, you know, did okay, 86.5 points, 18% owned, did have 20 birdies and an eagle for the week. So not bad for a guy who was in 27th place. Chris Kirk, 5% owned, um, finished at 27th also. Uh, we also have Keith Mitchell. 110 points, finished in seventh, 11% owned, and Kegel Bradley out there, uh, 7,400, 4% owned, 100.5 points. Tampa, what you take a lineup? Yeah, got to love to see Bradley in there. You know, Keegan Bradley Messersmith ringing in the old New new Year here with a a W at 4% owned. He gets in the lineup, 100 points for him. So nice to see that. I thought the lineup was good. One conversation piece I think Kenny will be, we can apply it to this week when we get to the tiers, but just like, M, 24% owned, 10.3K. Hideki, one quarter of the ownership, 10.6K. M is an extremely good young golfer, up-and-comer, talented individual. All the tour guys that talk about him say how good he is, the swing so sweet, everything. But one guy's a Masters winner, Green Jacket winner, you know, just won the Zozo recently. What are we doing here not playing this guy at one quarter of the ownership? That's on me as well, but... I think that's something to look at week to week, right? Just think about it. We know how good Sung J M actually is, but if you just look at the raw talent of a guy like Hideki and what he's done and how good he's been in the history, it's not like he was in bad shape coming into this. And if you're getting four to one odds, which is essentially what those ownership percentages are, it's probably a good idea to go to more Hideki. So got to, got to keep that in mind moving forward. That's why it's so important to be with us, Kenny, over at Gup's Corner, myself, over at Rum Pier Sports to round out the week where you can get that, those ownership percentages and talk about what that looks like as the week moves on. Because what do you think, Kenny? I mean, the, the lineup's good. Don't want to take away from B-Wag. I feel like we've seen him up here before, to be honest. And if you just look, he's got all the winners in the lineup. A good mix of ownership with Henley, Davis. Then it drops down to low-owned guys in Matsuyama, you know, um, Kirk, Mitchell, and Bradley. But what are your thoughts on sort of the, the Decky versus M conversation piece? Four-to-one ownership. Yeah, when, when I looked at the ownership percentages Wednesday projections on Gubb's Corner, I shifted from Webb to Hideki, uh, and I ended up fading Webb. Uh, you just got to make moves like that when you see the ownership and the talent level of these guys, especially up top. Um, yeah. You know, up, when, you're, when you're up top and you see a guy who's going to be super low-owned, you sometimes, and his talent is always there, an elite-type golfer, you almost always have to jump on him. Uh, in DFS. It's just sort of like a must to do. Now, I also faded Henley because I saw the ownership on him, and I was like, eh, that much for Henley? Let me go somewhere else. That was a mistake. So it's not going to work every time, 
But, you know, especially when you go up top, um, I think it, it, it's a big thing that you can do. And I mean, you're going to lose sometimes. It's not going to be a perfect thing. Uh, but to really get the advantage when it comes to DFS, you got to sort of make moves like that in GPPs. It's just yeah, one more thing I'll add. I just, I love what you said there. And a couple of things I always say, like people, I think people go the other way on this and there's no, to, in my opinion, there's no right or wrong on this. I just prefer it this way, but I think everyone wants to sprinkle like 20 guys or 30 guys down below. So for example, this week, we've got 91 guys, I believe in the 6k range. And I know you want to pick your poison and your gem and diamond in the rough and all these factors. But for me, it's like, why would you want 2% of all those guys? This is just my personal opinion. When, even if you get them right, you only have like one or two lineups with them. And then you still have to get the other five, right. And, and they have to have a big week. There's a reason they're priced down there versus sprinkling more guys at the top. And I'll give you an example. Like this week, you're looking at Taylor Gooch and Will Zalatoris for the same price as Matthew Wolf and Seamus Power. So if I like my four guys at the bottom and I just take my stand on my value plays and get at least 10% of them or more, then I'm still going to have them in the mix, but then I can start making those swaps up top for some of these more difficult decisions. And like last week would have been Webb Simpson and Sung J M. You could go up to Hideki and down to like Connors, for example, that would have been a, you know, tough to make the decision up front. Clearly the ownership loved the three guys below Hideki, but lots more people would have had the two of Webb and M because they were popular. And obviously, you know, Decky only 6%. That's how you can get some different combinations. And the guys up top are the ones more likely to actually win the tournament, obviously. So what I'm saying is when you do that and flip to those guys and flip them around, you've got a better chance of finding the tournament winner. And then having, if you've got the right guys down below, you've got more combos of them versus sprinkling one to 2%. I think you've talked about that in the past as well and switching your strategy to something like that with using the value yeah, yeah. plays down below. Well, va- value plays, I don't, I play, everyone that I roster every week is minimum 10% owned in my, in my lineups. Yeah. I never go under 10% owned. Uh, now the thing, what you were saying is it's a lot easier to do what you said in the nine K range in the 10 K range. You can't roster everyone. It's just, it just, I mean, maybe if you do hundred for the lineups like you're doing, uh, then it's a lot easier to do. But if you're doing like 30 lineups, 20 lineups, 10 lineups, you just can't do it that way. Yeah, you don't you don't want to roster everybody, but like to your point, that's what I said. Like that, if you take your core of guys down below, you, that's why it's sometimes people say, "Oh, your pool's way too big," or "What's the right player pool size?" Well, my pool could show sixty guys, sixty-five guys, but really, I might only. It's like if you had forty or thirty-five, because my core is the first top four or five guys heavily owned. Then it drops down to like twenty-five guys that I actually have enough of, and then it's like I said, there might be some sprinkles of these guys at the top because if you've got you know, like I just said, if you've got a, a, a Gooch Zalatoris, I might love that play, but then I'll put the power and wolf combo in. I don't love it as much, but if I've got my four main guys down below, I might try that out in a couple pairings just because there's a chance. I rostered, I played 60 lineups and then I roster around 30 to 33 golfers a week. Now, what I've come to figure out is with that many lineups I'm, I'm making, I really can't roster more than seven guys in the 9k and up range that's sort of my max because that's the only way i'm going to be able to be still above have a little bit of leverage on the field still on those guys uh so and the thing is a lot of the times when it comes to me and i'm making those type of lineups um i have to have maybe two guys or three guys in that range in a lineup that makes me have to have a little bit more in the 6k range so you know a lot of this comes down to what the amount of lineups that you're making in gpps and that's how it, it's going to really play out. 
there really is no correct answer uh, to this. Everyone has their own play. You sort of keep on trying different ideas, uh, different strategies until you find what you're comfortable with and then you just keep going with it. And that's what, that's what you do and that's what I do. For you, for 150, 300 lineups, whatever you make a week, for me, for my 60 lineups, I have a set point. When you've been doing it long enough, you sort of end up finding out what works and what doesn't, depending on how many lineups you make a week. All right. So let's go to this week. The PGA Tour moves to Cali. Uh, isn't this a big Canadian vacation spot? Don't like in this area, like Palm Beach, isn't it like a huge, isn't it like all the Every area in Canada has their own thing. Like where I am on the East Coast, most people travel down to Florida. Because that's yeah. where they go. When I, when I was on the oh, West, Coast, West Coast, people West go to California to- and they go to Fe- uh, and they go to Arizona, right? They go to Phoenix I, and they go to LA type stuff. I I feel like I've heard that you get a lot of Canadian fans uh, here for this week, and maybe that's why we've seen a lot of Canadians do fairly well at this event. I'm sort of going off tangent. We'll talk more about this later. Let's keep on going. Uh, it's this course. This is going to be played on three courses once again. Last year we had to skip because of the. Uh, uh, pandemic, but this year we're back to three courses, a Jack Nicholas tournament course, uh, La Quinta Country Club, and the stadium course. A uh, bit unconventional. All, all the golfers are going to play each course once the first three days. Then there will be a cut on Saturday. Uh, the remain, uh, So the top 65 and ties, they'll battle it out Sunday on the stadium course to find a victim. Now, because of this, golfers in your lineup that missed the cut will have less total effect on your drafts king score than usual. Uh, having as many golfers as possible make the cut still important. But you can get away with missed cuts and still possibly cash, meaning you can be a bit more aggressive in picking golfers with upside, especially for your cash lineups, and you will see that in mine this week. This event uh, is also a pro-am, uh, so the course and pin locations won't be set up too difficult, except on Sunday in the stadium course. Uh, the pro-am event ends on Saturday. So they will probably move tee boxes back and make pin locations a bit more challenging for the pros on Sunday. Golfers are going to need patience. Uh, you can't be Taylor Gooch out there uh, getting pissed off about playing with Kevin Ah uh, because uh, it's going to be six-hour rounds. And Gooch is a fade for me this week uh, because it's after what I saw from him last week. Um, you know, uh, so you got to have a lot of patience when you play this course. Um, now, five years ago, now when it comes down to these courses, La Quinta. And Nicholas, two of the easiest courses on tour. Stadium course, a little bit tougher, but not much. So it's going to be a birdie fest, okay? Now, one thing you got to think about uh, when you play this, uh, the first-round leader coming from stadium course will be very unlikely. Uh, so the amount of golfers to pick from is cut in third, uh, making us, the betters, have a slightly better odds than normal for first-round leader bets. It's also going to be something you think about in showdown uh, when you play because – um, you know, the thing about showdown is the par fives on stadium course, not that, not that easy. Now the par fours on the other two courses, some of the easiest par fours on tour, uh, par fives, I'm sorry, on tour. So again, you got to think about this stuff when you're playing showdown this week, some trends uh, before we get into the meat of the course. 11 of the last 12 winners here have played in at least one of the two Hawaiian events prior to their win. Eight of the last nine winners played this event before, and eight of the last ten winners uh, have had a top 15 in one of their last seven starts. Uh, now, let's get to the Jack Nicholas course at PJ West. 7,200 yard-ish, par 72, four par threes, four par fives, ten par fours, 
all the par fives reachable by almost all the golfers. 59 has been shot on this course uh, during a qualifying tournament for PGA Tour. Not difficult. Pretty easy course. Um, the fairways will be average to large in width with many bunkers of water and play off the tee on many holes. I don't think the rough is going to be playing too thick because of the pro-amp. Um, you know, they're going to try and make it easier. Bermuda grass greens, uh, they're going to be, um, you know, on the larger side, undulating, multi-tiered, bunkers and water surrounding them, um, and a stint meter rating of around 11. Uh, La Quinta, 7,000-ish, yard par 72, four par threes, four par fives, 10 par fours. Uh, you know, it's a very, very easy course. Uh, so, you know, fairways are tree-line, average at best in width, bunkers, water, local vegetation are in play for wayward drives. The greens are average in size. Same Bermuda grass, uh, overseeded, of course. The stadium course at PJ West is a bit more difficult, of, uh, of course, compared to the other two, but I wouldn't call it overly difficult. 10th easiest course in 2016, 20th easiest in 2017, 15th easiest in 2018, and the last couple of years, it's been playing on the very easy side, except for that one where he had the really windy, windy year. I think that was three years ago. Um, you know, hosted the Bob. It was funny because it hosted the Bob Hope Classic in '87. And golfers actually bitched, complained about how difficult the course was. Uh, so they ended up dropping it from the rotation, and it didn't come back till 2016. Now, I don't think the current crowd of players will have much of a problem as this course. I don't think they're going to call it difficult with the equipment and the talent that they have. Um, now, nowadays, you know, these it's a par 72 Pete Dye course that'll so be around 7,200 yards, four par threes, four par fives, ten par fours. Par fives are much longer, much more difficult than the other two courses. The par fives here have been some of the most difficult to reach into on tour. The fairways average in size. It gets narrow near the landing areas. The rough is light, but golfers will have to deal with bunkers and a lot of water is in play uh, on this course. If golfers miss wildly, uh, they're going to have to you know, avoid the water and the bunkers. And then there's going to be some dormant grass, some brown grass uh, that you'll see. It's a little bit less lush. Uh, but a lot more patchy, so you got to get lucky if you hit it in that dormant grass. Greens are small with trouble all over the place. So there are island greens, 200-yard carries over water on par threes, and enormously deep bunkers. Very, very tough par threes on the stadium course. Uh, there's a greenside bunker on 16. It's over 20 feet deep. I think this is the hole where you see, like, um, Phil Mickelson sliding down the hill on his butt, if I'm not mistaken. I think this was here. Uh, the last three holes on this course are tough with the bunkers on 16, Island Green on 17 called Alcatraz, and a tough par four with water on 18. Tambo, what are you looking for this week? Yeah, I think you described it quite well. We do know a lot about this course, too, like you said. So there's going to be some things that we bring up along the way. Uh, Siwoo winning it last year, some comparisons, right, with going back to the players, and people talk about that all the time. So uh, we'll go through some of that when we get to it. T to green game just in general. Is the, is the game here, like putting, it comes down to it, like you mentioned, a little bit easier when it comes to that. This year, the three cuts. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk more strategy, Kenny, when we get to the segment of the tiers up top. Before we get into the tiers, want to remind everyone of our very special offer from DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any divisional round team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. That's right. Bet just $5 on any NFL playoff game and DraftKings Sportsbook will give new customers an additional $280 in free bets if the team they choose wins their game. 
the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this divisional round weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code FGD, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code FGD at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, so let's get to these tiers in the 10K range. You only got four dudes. Tony Finau up to John Rahm. How are you going about this this week, Cambo? I don't think it's close, Kenny, and I don't think anybody else will think it's close either. So it's one of those situations. I was going to say it before we did the promo, but, man, like the, the strategy-wise this week, so you talked about it earlier. We're back to three rounds for everybody. You can get more aggressive. Stars and scrubs will be very prevalent out there based on the fact that, like I said, there's 90 golfers in the 6K range and plenty of them are in play. You go to any site right now that's projecting golfers with models, you go to Fantasy National, use promo code FGD like we talk about. You go there, the entire 7 to 8K range is, you know, besides one or two guys, you go last 50 rounds, almost nobody pops. So what's going to happen? Rom plus one or two guys above the 9K range and then drop down. So I think it's pretty clear cut there. You're going to have to find a way to get different up top. I like Rom for good reason. I think it was Jeff Feinberg today said it on Twitter best is Cam Smith put up his ceiling game, if you will, and won by one versus Rom, who didn't even play well till like the last couple days, showed up and almost beat him still. That's how intense it is. That's how good he is. So it's going to be tough to get away from Rom. Cantley is there. The interesting part for me, Kenny, is that the two guys, at least these two, if not one more when we get down to the next range, but Finau and Scheffler feel like the type that would come out and spoil it. But if you talk about just pure talent, they're as good. But if you talk about results and, and talk about everything we mentioned earlier with Hideki and Sungjae, they're not close to Rom and Cantley, especially after the seasons. We just watched where the debate of player of the year was Rom and Cantley based on how the year unfolded. So it's not close up top. It's Rom. It's Cantley. After that, you got to decide what you're doing. But you can even play both of those guys together. I can, I'm can. i telling you, you can do it pretty comfortably. So I don't know what your thoughts are on all that stuff. You could take some shots on maybe Finau or Scheffler, but it's pretty clear cut with John Rahm at just 11-3. That's the other part, by the way, not to go on this tangent or this rant, but the pricing's horrendous. We take what the site gives us, but, man, why are they not like 12-9 and 12-5 and let everybody else decide? They just won't price them up. That's the difference. Now, you know what we were talking about earlier? When it comes to ownership in the top half, you sort of have to have to play guys with like equal talent uh, that are like lower owned, equal or just close to equal. I mean, the, the top two guys are going to be the highest, highly owned, Rob and Canley. But talent wise, they're leaps and bounds ahead of Chef and Fina. So it doesn't fall into the situation. I'm going to play both yeah. Canley and Fina. It's not going to be that difficult. And I'm sorry, Canley and Rob. And John Rob is going to be my cash game cornerstone, my number one pick. I usually never go with a guy up top, but it's too – he's just too good. And in a field like this, if there were a lot more top 20 OWGR guys in this field, then maybe I don't go wrong, you know, because the talent level would be closer. There's not that many top 20 guys uh, in this field. And Rom is so leaps and bounds ahead of everybody except maybe Kentley. So uh, I'm playing Rom, first cash game cornerstone uh, this weekend. I'm going to play Cantlay a lot in GPPs. I'm going to have a lot of lineups. Like you said, 
Let's start with both of these guys. Let's just go ahead into the 9K range. My second cash game cornerstone is going to be the Irishman himself, Mr. Seamus Power, who tends to have shown that he is an easy course specialist. Again, we are going to play an easy course. The guy tends to ball out on easy courses. I do like the fact that he is the best golfer in the field in par four efficiency from 350 to 400 yards and 400 to 500, 450 yards. That combination, 80% of all par fours are going to be from that range. So I do like Seamus. We've seen what he's done here recently. The guy's a baller. The guy makes a ton of birdies, fifth and birdies are better gained in the last 50 rounds in this field. So power is my guy here. I'm going to go back to Abe. Um, this week. Finished second here a couple of years ago. Missed the cut. Burned a lot of people last week. I think he can come back and do well on this course. Uh, I, I reduced ownership because of what happened last week. So I'll be paying a little bit of Abe. And I'm going to fade Gooch. Like I said, you saw the whole problem with him and Na. Not played slow. He definitely did. There's no doubt about that. But he's trying to shoot 59. You know, you, you get it. You got to remember what happened to Na. Back in the day when he was the slowest player in the game, he has improved tremendously. Still not fast, but he's not incredibly slow like he used to. Like everyone thinks, everyone was talking us about him this past week. And it still got into Gucci's head. I will fade him this week in six-hour rounds. He got into Grayson's head too. Grayson Murray, that is. (laughs) That was pretty good, actually. Did you do what? Were you going to say something on it? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, I, I was just going to say, I thought that was funny. And then he came up today and said that even even Brooks Kepka had hit him up with a text and said, uh, I like that tweet. So, you know, that was solid. Went a little back and forth. Said it wasn't about the pip money, but, you know, trying to get a little pip money never hurt nobody. And I don't think it would be past Kevin Na to get after it and try and get some for himself. So, interesting enough. Yeah, going back to it, just a couple other things on the strategy piece because it ties into what I'm about to talk to in the 9K range. The Rom Cantlay thing, it's like you said, the talent level is not the same. And the other thing is, the talent level when we get to the 7K and 6K range is that's where it's not that different. So to me, you can just get different down there and still use these guys up top because it doesn't matter 7,500 or 7,800 versus 6,400. You can do that no problem for that 1,400 bucks to be able to use it up top. So I'm fine with Pat with Patrick Cantlay and Rom lineups. I will say though, Kenny, this is where I think you can get different this week. Don't get yourself off of Rom or Cantlay. I'm just saying don't make all your lineups with them together because you can easily play Rom with two 9K guys, still play the Stars and Scrubs, but not in the sense of everyone that's going to just want to play the t- When you put those two guys at the top, you have almost 7,000. There's 90 guys in the 6K range, and there's a lot this week that you'll actually know who they are and are more than playable. So that's where I'm saying it's easy to just go to that route, but I think getting different is using two or the two of these guys in this 9K range for me. Go back to Sung Jay a little bit. I don't mind the flop leg. It's not the same situation here. I like him better than Gooch, like you mentioned. Power's just been good. Connors, answer, Zalatoris, Henley. I like I like all these guys. Henley more than most. I you know, I understand the price jump to Seamus Power. He's been very good for a long time. You mentioned easy course special specialist. Might just be any course at this point. God, the guy is so good, has the all-around game for everything that we see out there on tour. I like him quite a bit, but Henley to me, didn't get enough of a bump for how good he was last week. I'm not maybe expecting the exact same thing, but at 9K and when he can comfortably, I say comfortably easily, be your third guy into your lineup, I'm more than okay with him at 9K as well. Connors just keeps playing good golf, man. So I, like you said, maybe it's the Canadian thing here. We'll bring up some others later, but I like Sungjae. I like Power. 
I like Connors and I like Henley. Those are the four that I like in this range. How popular do you think Wolf is going to get? I've already seen his name pop up a couple of times this week. I'm slightly worried about him. I know that he took a long break, came back, finished 15th in the U.S. Open. Not bad. It's about a two-month break now, but that's not my main worry. Just hasn't been good on short par fours. Uh, in this field, in the past 50 rounds, his par four efficiency from 350 to 400 yards is 147th out of 156 golfers. From 400 to 450 yards, 105th out of 156 golfers. Slightly worried about that. You worried about Wolf at all? Not, not really. I think, uh, you know, like you said, his name's been mentioned, but we talk about this so often. I have to do it in the Run Pure Sports Discord as well, just talking about, oh, I heard this guy's going to be so high-owned, and then we see by the end of the week it's not even close to what you thought, and that's what it is, right? It's a bubble that we live within. So, of course, we all see it because we follow the same people on Twitter. We see all the same articles every week. We're seeing all the same content. That just doesn't always fully dictate it. And when you've got guys, like I mentioned, M, Power, Connors, Answers popular this week already. Zalatoris is the guy I was going to say earlier where Scheffler, Finau, Zalatoris, it's guys like that that could just pop up and fight, but they don't win. Right, they don't win enough for me to think about it. But at 9,100, maybe Zalatoris pops up, and then Henley just had a big week. I just don't see Wolf getting enough ownership. You either want to play him or you don't. But when you talk about raw talent, it's hard to speak against him because the guy does have it. And man, when he came back off that four months that he took off for the the break that he needed, talked about a little bit of mental health issues and things like that, needing just to take a break away from the game, he came back pretty good, man. So you never know. I do worry stats wise. Like you said, but I don't worry as much about ownership. I think he'll be under-owned compared to those around him. Well, if he's single-digit owned, I don't take the risk. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like those numbers are what he does all the time. They don't look great. Uh, but, I mean, that's why if he's highly owned, I, I you know, then those numbers are really I think he'll be lower-owned, and I think he's, he's a better example. Owned. He's a better example of what we talked about early, earlier, Kenny, where this guy, and I don't see you today. Don't mean to cut you off. I just, I'm used to seeing it on the camera. We can read each other's lips a little bit, but I would say this, we talked earlier about the talent levels and comparisons. This is where you'll see guys be chalk that how is Wolf not the same as them or better. He's contended in more majors. He's won tournaments himself, things like that, where you're like, if he's going to not going to be owned, but somebody else is, he's definitely worth taking the risk on and taking a shot on here in this range. Yeah, I mean, this is where ownership, what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, can really, you know, do something to your lineup, to how you build. Because I thought, I, I was thinking he might be over owned, but if you're thinking he's single digit owned, and we check our ownership projections either on Gump's Corner, Run Pure, uh, even Fantasy National, any of those coming up on um, Wednesday, and he's like six, seven, eight percent owned. I mean, I'll be willing to take the risk uh, because talent-wise, he's so good. And hopefully, this is the one week where he actually plays well on the short par fours uh, because, you know, you know, he can do it. Just he hasn't in the last 50 rounds. Well, so, yeah, and you get, you get three full rounds and you get quite a few par fives over those three full rounds and you get some easy courses. Like, what more do you want for a guy with this much firepower and upside? We've seen it in majors. Now we're talking about going here and playing the Amex. Like, he can definitely show up for sure. Now, if he's about 13, 14, 15% owner above, I'll probably wouldn't play him. Let's go to the 8K range. Um, I will go first. My third cash game cornerstone, Mr. Vegas. Jonathan Vegas always plays well on birdie fest. The guy is really, really good, uh, you know, on these on these type of courses. Fourth and birdies are a better game in the last 50 rounds. Iron game has been exceptionally strong. He's scoring a rack of draft game points. T. The green has been excellent, really good on those par four levels that I've been talking about so far on the pod. Crushes pop fives. He is my third cast game cornerstone this week. 
Uh, and so I like him a lot. Other guys I like in this range, Luke List. I'm betting List. Really, really strong fall with a Corn Ferry Tour win thrown in there. Him and Woodland are the type of guys who everyone thinks about as bombers, and they are, but can play shorter courses as well. And I like Luke List a lot. One of my favorite plays on the slate this week. So I, I like Luke, and I'll play a couple of guys up top. But see, note, I've just been on. I think he's going to be really, really good on the tour. Um, you know, his putter is just so good, and I'm going to keep him in tournaments, even if the rest of his game is not looking that great. And I'm, all, you know, I, I'm going to go with Tringali as well. I said Tringali is going to get a win uh, this year. I'm not going to bet him at 45-1 to 1 this week, but this is the type of event, uh, you know, that he could probably win. Well, not that strong. Uh, I'm a little worried he hasn't played in a while, so that's why I didn't bet him, and the number's not my favorite. But I can see playing him in, in GPPs. We'll see how that looks on Wednesday if I can still get to him. But right now, I do like him, but I like the guys on the bottom, bottom better. List, one of my favorites, Vegas, Cash Game Cornerstone, Tambo, AK, who do you like? Yeah, not many. Like I said earlier, I can see why people are going to overlook this range. But I will say, going back to that talent conversation, I think still some of these guys should be in the mix. And one I'll bring up, Kenny, I know the stat, again, like I said, no matter what you look at on stats, for this in basically the entire 7 and 8K range, you're not going to like what you see. So you have to just think about some of the things that we've been talking about. Like, why were we talking about at the Century, Patrick Reed needs to have a good year, needs to show up and do well so he can make this President's Cup team, so on and so forth. Overall talent, he's also a Masters winner. We just talked about Hideki. And listen, he didn't do as well as the field did at the Century. He only got to 20 under. The winner was at 34 under. But last year, Hideki, or sorry, Siwoo won this thing at like, what, 23 under, 21 under? I can't remember now. But I think that Reed could show up here, Tringali. Like, those things didn't go away for these types of guys. So Tringali, Reed, I'm with you on Bazudenhout. And then you go down. Ortiz and Vegas, to me, are both guys with similar games. You're taking a shot, but you're getting three rounds out of them. They have firepower. They can go low on easier courses. So I like Ortiz, Vegas. And then you brought up the list thing. I felt like you were stealing my thunder a little because I was going to bring up Woodland later. We always say this about them, Kenny. You mentioned it. Shorter courses, people don't think of, if people think of them as just bombers. What do they do? They club down quite well. And then they get themselves setting up right for their shots, get their birdie opportunities that way. And next thing you know, you're they're in the mix. And you're saying, I wonder how they popped at this particular course. So for me, you know, Reed Tringali, I think will be overlooked for sure. Bazudenhout, I'm just playing him based on talent. Not really interested in Ricky Fowler. Um, Noren's more of a grinder, so not as interested in him. But Siwoo, Ortiz, Vegas, List at the bottom. Those are the guys that I still like before we get into the 7K range. Lots of guys in the 7K range this week, and a lot of guys I like. Uh, that's sort of why you could probably go uh, to the Cantley and Rob up top if you want to. Let's go ahead and start with the Canadian. At 7,900, Adam Hadwin loves this course. Plays extremely well every year, year in, year out. Uh, there's something to say about that when it comes to course history for Mr. Hadwin. I am playing him. Woodland, I already talked about 101, I saw. I put that bet, first bet of the day. Uh, you know, he finished, what, he had a top, what, top 10 at Zozo in the fall. You have to think that last year was sort of a wash. Uh, Pat Mayo talked about this on his season preview pod, how you could sort of make last year sort of a wash. He was injured. He was hurt. You expect him to come back strong again this year, healthy. And when he's healthy, we've seen him be one of the best players in the world. Uh, we've seen him win the U.S. Open. At, at 101, it's a, it's a bet for me, and I'm going to play him. Uh, in GPPs. Other guys up top, I do like Lucas Glover. Really good showing last week. I can get back 
on board with Mr. Glover. I'm going to play a little Harold Martin III. Really good on short par fours this week. Campbell, up top, who do you like? There's a whole bunch more of guys I like uh, in this range. I'm playing a lot of these 7K guys. I'm surprised you're as passionate about it. I feel like most won't be as passionate about this 7K range. Just There's a lot of names that we know and like in here. But, again, here's the other thing, too. If Harold Varner, I love the dude. I cheer for him all the time. But any, I honestly say this all the time. I don't just not play a guy because he's chalk. But if Harold Varner chalk week has – I don't think it's ever worked out in the history of PGA DFS. And I if he saw. gets popular, because if you look, again, going back to what I said at the top, and it's true this week, go to the stat models – He's the only guy. He's going to be like fifth or sixth in your model on Fantasy National. He's going to pop on other sites as well, so that project golfers. So I think that's where you start looking at what's around him. You mentioned Woodland, definitely in on that. Russell Knox, Chris Kirk, that's two guys I like. Kirk played good uh, good enough last week. Russell Knox, the same thing. So I, I like both of those guys. Um, not Same thing, Adam Hadwin Chalk Week, just because his course history, no thank you for me. I would play Brian Harmon there instead. And then the other guy I like is right at 7,500 is Lanto Griffin. It doesn't fit our normal rule of being under the Rick Gaiman rule. We call it under 7K, but I, I do still like him at 7,500 this week. That's sort of the few guys for me up top, Kenny. If you're worried about Hadwin Chalk or Varner Chalk, play Troy Merritt. It's a guy I like this week. Uh, you know, putter, tons of birdies, lots of draft king points. I like Troy Merritt and birdie fest. He's never highly on, is he? All right. So, I mean, like, if you're worried about that, play Troy Merritt this week. I like Hayden Buckley. Been playing a lot of good golf here recently. Andrew Landry, if you look at his stats, they blow. But he loves this course. Once again, uh, I, another guy with a course history guy, I'll throw him in there. Kramer Hickok, another guy who's been showing life in the fall and last week. And your Canadian brethren, uh, Svensson, one more time at 7K. What about you in the lower 7K range? Yeah, I, I like here. If you're going to, I'll say it the other way. If you're going to play Adam Hadwin, play the other Adam Canadian, which is Adam Svensson. Who cares about ownership? It'll be the same or less, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's the guy that I would play. He's cheaper. He's just as good, in my opinion, of what we've seen lately. He's a really good golfer. And if you remember, Kenny, uh, I like him right down there and KH Lee. And that's the good old avatar bet. We had way back when it was the Canadian Adam Svensson versus the Korean KH Lee. And I ended up having to change my avatar on that Sunday when KH Lee did his thing and took down Adam Svensson. So I like both those guys. I like Taylor Moore. He's a guy that we we've talked about in the swing season, really good golfer all around stats. Everything's there. Hayden Buckley, who you brought up, Alex Smalley played, played pretty good last week. Vincent Whaley. We've liked for a long time, played pretty good golf last week. So I like the bottom seven K range much more than the top. That's a better way of saying it as well. Uh, the couple guys up top, like I mentioned, Knox, Kirk, Woodland, that's sort of where I'm at. But down low, a lot more guys sort of 7,300 and below that I like that I mentioned there. All right, 6K range, my final cash game cornerstone. We're going deep once again, $6,400. Samuel Ryder, uh, you know, had, was top 10 in birdies going into Sunday last, last week and was in last place. Okay, <laughs> so so the man can make birdies, and as long as he doesn't shit the bed at the stadium course and shoot himself out of the tournament, I think he can make the cut because he's such a proficient birdie maker. Uh, and again, you're going a little bit wild when you're doing this because it's a three 54 hole cut, these guys get three. So even if he plays three holes, screws himself over on the stadium course, uh, by you know, hitting in the water and a whole bunch of doubles and stuff like that. I guarantee he'll still have a ton of birdies for those three days, and he won't kill you in cash. So 
Um, you know, a six in birdies or better game in the last 50 rounds, $6,400. Six in birdies or better game. Ninth in DraftKings points in the last 50 rounds in this field. So we are going Samuel Ryder. My cash game cornerstones this week are going to be John Rahm at $11,300. Seamus Power, $9,500. Jonathan Vegas, $8,100. Sam Ryder, $6,400. Still leaves you $14,700 left to make the rest of your lineups out. Other guys that do like in the 6K range. Uh, I'll start up top with uh, Davis Riley. Been showing a little bit of, little bit of uh, chutzpah here recently. Playing pretty well uh, out there. I'll play a little bit of Scott Stallings, who's uh, you know pretty good when it comes to stats around here. Really good from 400 to 450 yards. You're looking at about 40 to 45% of all par fours in that range. He's sixth in the field in par four efficiency from 400 to 450. Hudson Swafford, tons of birdies. Iron game really, really strong. I do like him. I'll play another Canadian down here. Mr. Nick Taylor, really, really good on the 350 to 400. The best in the field in par four efficiency from 350 to 400. And pretty good from 400 to 450 as well. Who are you playing this week? in the 6K range. Nick Taylor getting ready a couple weeks from uh, Pebble Beach where he did uh, he got the win in the past. So starting the Cali swing, that could be a good call. I like a couple guys. I like uh, Dylan Wu up top. He had a great week last week going back, looking at the numbers, 20th at the Sony Open. Couldn't make a putt, but dialed in tee to green and on approach. So he makes sense. Davis Riley, who you mentioned, just too talented at this price. Chad Ramey fits that mold as well. Grayson Sig. I like all of those guys down here. And then some of the names that are more well-known, like Hudson Swafford, Joseph Bramlett, who we've played in the past, Roger Sloan, another guy we've played a lot in the past, Canadian. So I like a few guys down here. And then going down Bram- to the bottom, Brandon Haggy, 6,200. I know you like Sam Ryder. I usually like Sam Ryder as well, but Haggy at 6,200 seems too cheap for a guy that we get three days from. So I'll, I'll call him at 6,200 as well. I am with a hell of a Sunday move. Uh, this past Sunday at, at YLI, we always liked that. I like that pick. Luke Donald, I've been mean, throwing a little bit. He looked pretty damn good last week, surprisingly. <laughs> he looked okay. At 6,200, I'll throw a flyer uh, on Mr. Luke, former number one player in the world, Mr. Luke Donald. All right, let's get the bets for this week. Uh, my bets for the week. I only have four so far. I'll probably add some more later on um, as the week goes on, and I'm trying to bring my – screen up to see my bets one more time but i don't have wi-fi so it's going very very slow so tambo why don't you go first yeah it's posted on twitter this morning john colin morikawa it's a new guy on tour you got to bet john rom here and colin morikawa in abu dhabi and it pays 60 to 1. you can get each way if you have it like canadians do so I bet that pretty big i think both of them come at least top five but obviously going for the win to get paid off so I like that. I think that's just, you know, the guys are too good. We talked about it last season, Kenny. You said, why don't we just play Rahm and Morikawa everywhere? And now you actually can because they're on two different tours this week. So definitely betting that. I did lie, though. I said that was my first and only click, which everybody hates. I sent Bear off a message right away. I said that was just for you because he's muted all people saying first click. But the other guy I liked is the other Adam from Canada, Adam Svensson, 160 to 1 with the top five each way. So I have two bets. For this week, John Colin Moramkawa, 60 to 1 double, and Adam Svensson, 160 to 1 with the top five each way. Okay, I'm definitely stealing your double. 
Uh, that's definitely going to happen, but that, that's not one of my bets. Be, be ready my for one... Cantlay and Rory to win the events, then. That's what's going to happen. All right. Well, uh, you're, you're like Power. the Korean Endercurse, uh, right? Like, uh, that's yeah, the same. Yeah. Uh, Seamus Power, 28 to 1, is my uh, my lowest bet. All the other ones are basically bombs. It's going to be uh, so Power, 28 to 1. Uh, Luke List, 65 to 1. Jonathan Vegas, 80 to 1. Gary Woodland, 100 to 1. And I'm quickly adding. John Robin Kawakawa, whatever it is, a double uh, and 61 this week for you. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No, I think that's good. Uh, one and done. Uh, one and done. Oh, shoot. I, go ahead. I, didn't think I, I got mine. Go. I was going to say go there's ahead. a conversation there because last week I ended up going with Cam Smith. And I'll tell you what, the idea was simple. He just won. He'd won here before or there before, I should say, at the Sony Open. When else was I saving Cam Smith for? Not that I expected for him to win back-to-back. It could happen. But I said, you know, I'm, when, am, when am I going to save him for? I know his game's in line right now. Should be pretty good, right? Nope, missed the cut. So why not try it again here this week? I'm going to go to Cantlay. Uh, same same thought process. I, I think there's places I can save him for and Rom for. But I don't really care about saving Cantlay as much as I do Rom. So feel pretty good about Cantlay here this week. I'm going to play him in one and done. And my bet is on Rom. So, uh, you know, at least that would get one leg done of the double. So we'll go with Cantlay for one and done this week. I'm either going Cantlay or power. I haven't decided. Uh, I might play one in the, in the, um, in the Mayo cup and one in the carbon cup. We'll probably see how that's probably what I'm going to do. I'll probably play both. I like that. When it yeah, comes, one in each contest. Comes to one and done. Yeah. One and done this week. All right. So you can find me on Twitter at KenNoVT. You can find my article on gupscorner.com use promo code kenny for a 30 percent discount on any membership you also get a seven day risk-free trial to test out the site if you don't like it no risk just bounce but you'll love it go to gupscorner.com yeah find me on twitter at toe tag and tambo hit me up there if you guys have any questions again for our tournament of champions winners reach out we'll get you set up with your prizes other than that, run pure sports. Use promo code DEGEN50. That's DGEN50. Get yourself 50% off your first month. It's all sports. It's everything. We just talked about it. All kinds of golf winners. Week one just to start last week. So a lot of fun. Get on over there and let's have a good week here at the Amex. All right. We're going, going back, back to Cali. Let's win some motherfucking money. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.